Bendigo Business Stories podcast, produced by B Bendigo, acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to our Mental Health and Wellbeing series as part of the Bendigo Business Stories podcast, proudly produced by B Bendigo and supported by the Victorian Government. Wellbeing at work is becoming increasingly important for a new generation of post-pandemic workers. Join me, your host Kimberly Finesse, as we talk to local experts, leaders and business operators about stories of well-being, resilience and good business practices. More and more professionals, and especially micro and small business owners, often operate from the heart of their home. Their path is not without challenges. The isolation, the self-reliance, the financial struggles, and the constant juggling of work, personal, and family life. It's a tough balancing act. That's where this podcast comes in. We're here to tell their stories and to recognise what it takes to not only survive, but thrive in business. We look forward to introducing you to our special guests. Hello, Kate. Thank you for joining me as our guest to talk about creating a positive work environment as part of our mental health and wellbeing series. Fabulous. Thanks, Kimball. It's great to be able to discuss it. I've been lucky enough to interview you on several occasions and even sit and listen to you when you're on a panel and I take every opportunity. It never gets old and you're always adding to your skills and knowledge and sharing that. So I wasn't going to give up this chance. (laughs) Well, it's um, going to be a great time for me to reflect as well. Yeah. Now, it's been a long time since I've walked into AFS sort of behind the front desk Um, and to go up and, and see upstairs now, you know, we have greenery, natural light. I call it open plan living. I know it's not like it's, you know, just open co-working space, no hierarchy, like even just as a starting point. Do you think that that plays a role in creating a positive work environment? So I'll take you back um, a little bit of before the renovation and what we did there. We had got to a point where, one, we were sort of starting to outgrow the building, not from a floor plan perspective, but from a perspective that we didn't have great space for our people to sit. So um, a lot of desks were quite um, narrow and they were high and there wasn't, you sort of couldn't see people and people were starting to get bunched up on benches. What we also had done, and we'll probably touch on a little bit later, but we had done so much work on our culture in terms of leadership, our values, our vision, and the building was no longer supporting that. So from a team perspective, um, for that inclusivity, for that, um, you know, being able to network with each other, to collaborate, um, to really work together from a team perspective, the environment didn't suit that as much anymore. Um, From our growth and development for our people where we had partners and myself sort of locked away in rooms and offices and not being able to share our learnings in it like we can in an open plan office. So we really looked at how can now the building support the culture we want to create And so we went to the team and said, we want to do this. We want to stay in the building we are. It's a great location, but we wanted to be able to create a workplace um, that they enjoy coming to. Um, At that stage, it was pre-COVID and most people were in the office five days a week. And so we asked the team, what do you need to be able to do your work to the best um, the way that you want to work? We had some guiding principles that we needed to fit more people in, but we wanted them to really support the design. So it was, they wanted spaces where they could sit with 
some people they maybe were training and needing to spend some time with them. Sometimes they needed time where they could go up the back and sit in a really quiet space. Um, They wanted to be able to sit with a number of people, sit, stand. They wanted some tea room space. We had kitchens but not tea room space. So you had to sit at your desk or or head outside and to Rosie Park for lunch. Um, They just wanted some casual spaces to be able to catch up and and have meetings as well. They wanted the natural light and the greenery, as you uh, commented on as well. So that informed our design brief. And I think uh, we got everything in there but um, the outdoor space that they were all requesting (laughs) (laughs) for uh, maybe the Friday night drinks. We were so able to tick it off. And for people to come back now who were in our organisation pre the renovation to come back and just think, wow, this is, it really is inviting. It really is um, a great place to work. It really does help with that. Being being happy to be at work from perspective and, um, you know, they can see what's happening on Wall Street in terms of weather, you know, whereas previously there was offices all across the front. You couldn't see what was happening. So, yeah, it's it's been a real big part of our culture shift and I uh, I do agree that I think it's, it definitely creates a, a better work environment. I was just thinking you oh, – it's almost um, PTSD there for a moment – thinking back to working at a hospital in Melbourne and – I'd get on the train at dark and then I'd go into the building. There was no windows. We were centred in the middle, no natural light. You eat at your desk, you leave, you get on a train. It's dark when you get home. I just, I was just thinking then like how depressive that was during that time. Natural light is so important to us, isn't it? Yeah, the natural light and the greenery was a really high on everybody's list. And and to be honest, they'd been asking for it for a couple of years as part of our culture surveys that we were doing. So uh, we knew it was going to make an impact on mm. people. Now, this podcast is targeted to the micro small business owners who may not have a massive space like this, but I suppose it's taking some elements of what you've done back into their home office. So some indoor plants, making sure there's some natural light and they can see the day pass them by, which is really important. Yeah, exactly. You know, as you said, the plant, maybe it is a sit-stand desk, maybe it is having some music or or not um, for you as to how best you work. And I think it's just a question to ask yourself, where where do I work best? Um, And even at home, if I do work from home at times, um, if I'm not feeling maybe 100% or, uh, or my kids are homesick and, and I still want to be able to take the opportunity to do that. Sometimes I'll sit in the kitchen because it's you know, a lot of brighter space or, and sometimes you know I can be in a different room with a different setup. So I think if people ask themselves where do they best work and, and you know give themselves that opportunity. Yeah, I chase the sun around the house. Yep. Yeah, I've got the same thing invested in a uh, sit-stand desk and it's on wheels and had noticed on a few other days I'd chase the sun, like the morning's over at one side of the house and then I'd move over <laughs> to the afternoon again love because it. I knew that I work really well when I'm warm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I don't think I'm going to get a uh, one on wheels. That's, that's the best idea I've ever heard. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> uh, look, the podcast is about you too though. So I want to talk about your experience and how you've come to be the CEO of AFS. Uh, you've worked for some pretty big companies uh, in the past, uh, PricewaterhouseCooper and Blockbuster Australia. I'm hoping our audience are at that age where they would remember. Remember Blockbuster. Yes. <laughs> Take me back to where you think we need to know of, of your journey. Uh, look, I, I was born and bred in Bendigo. My parents live on a farm out at uh, Newbridge. So I went to high school and university here. I wasn't ready at that stage to, to head to the big smoke, but Getting through uni, my next, I wanted to expand my horizons and, and headed to Melbourne. I was lucky enough to get a 
a graduate role with actually it was Price Waterhouse <laughs> initially it was even pre the merger so they hopefully there's some uh, of our audience is old enough to remember that too but um, went down to there I felt um, it was a huge opportunity I started with you know 70 other graduates and it was a great introduction to corporate life for me but within us within an environment and a culture where they had a lot of peers of my own age. And I spent um, a bit over five years there. Um, during that time, they did merge with Coopers and Librand and became, as we now know, as PwC. And I had some great opportunities there. I was able to travel overseas uh, through my work. Um, I was able to see a lot of different industries. I was able to see how great businesses operated because they were dealing with some rather large clients. I could also see some of the challenges that these businesses were facing. So one of my clients was Kodak Australia. So, um, you know, it was just at that time where digital um, photography was was sort of taking off and and what they were doing in that space. So um, it really just opened my eyes and and created a lot of fabulous um, connections as well. I got to a point where I felt that I wanted to be working within business rather than um, alongside them. I, I wanted to be able to to experience that from the inside, if you like, when uh, when you're working for an, an accounting firm. I was lucky enough to take a role at Blockbuster Australia as the finance manager there. And over my five to six years there, it was at the period of time where um, it was really piracy that was the main issue. So, you know, the, the Melbourne markets that had DVDs uh, that had been um, recorded in cinemas overseas before they'd even released in Australia. Um, so to be able to see that tech change and what that did and impacted a business uh, was pretty impactful for me. I think what it's made me understand and think about is always the what's next. Probably from a personal perspective, um, it's what I look for naturally. It's like, what can I do next? What's the next thing to think about? You know, what keeps me interested? And to really then bring that into a business sense from a strategic perspective as, you know, what what's the next disruptor for our industry? To see that in reality, to see Blockbuster, you know, go from a multi-million dollar profit business to that my last role there, I went back post my first child, to sell the business. That was pretty much um, a big part of what my last assignment was, working with the legal teams and the franchisees and um, and the CEO to to get through uh, that period of closure. And, you know, we sort of locked the doors behind us and that's when uh, I moved back up to Bendigo. When you look back at that time, was there a lot of focus on mental health and wellbeing for staff that were exiting the company? I was thinking about this in light of coming here today and, you know, mental health and the psychological safety part of work I don't think was a a topic then. There was a certain focus on making sure that our uh, employees within the doors and in the head office uh, were able to find other work, were were supported with that flexibility um, if people were looking for jobs and knew they that you know their job there was going to be um, finishing up soon. So there was certainly that support probably wasn't called um, you know mental health and well-being at that stage so it's really interesting you ask that to see how now that communication, the way we talk about it, it has has evolved over time. So, yeah, certainly support, but it probably didn't have that name. How do you support that at AFS? So going back really to my time, I suppose, coming into AFS, um, wasn't sure what I wanted to do and uh, fell back into public accounting, which is what the industry AFS is in, and just... Um, Initially loved the culture, loved the people I was working with, um, fabulous people working on some great clients 
and I was able to do some really interesting work. And I had uh, one small child at that stage and um, that was what I was looking for, something um, impactful and being able to, to, to work with great people. What I then was able to do over the next few years as I had my next two children and, and each time I came back I was you know, able to have some really great conversations with the leaders here about some of the things I loved doing um, and some of the needs of the business and I was able to, to do a couple of projects, um, do some sort of new development within within the business itself and then over time the business had evolved and grown to quite a point where it needed to sort of have some corporatization about it and they advertised for a general manager role and that's where um, I took that role on. At that time they were looking for that person to be full-time. Um, I had three children five and under and wasn't able to commit no, I was. I took. You know, I, I knew. I was honest with myself, and I, and I wasn't able to commit to that. My husband also has a, a building business that we run together, so um, I was fairly clear in what I could offer, and I was really lucky enough to take that role. And over the time since then, till really taking on the CEO role, we started to put in place um, that focus on our people, and it was always naturally there in terms of care. But we really were able to put around some systems, some intentional frameworks around then what our people now experience now. And that goes back to things like our vision, mission, the values, um, you know, what does that look like in an organisation? And what was naturally there um, was really the ethos of the business that you put your people first. And I think we just embedded that clarity. So it was always our clients came first, which they do because we're a service industry. But we put in place the ethos that um, if we put our people first and making sure that they love what they're doing, they can deliver that experience more broadly to our clients. If they're engaged, it's going to be a better client outcome. And as we grew, we knew we you know, these key leaders couldn't do that every time. Um, you know, it needed to be our whole team, needed to be able to deliver that. So to test what we were doing and to test where to next, because, you know, you sort of come into these roles and there's no there's no playbook. So it's, you know, what do you want to achieve? Where do you want to be? Um, and at the end of the day, you've just got to ask, um, whether you're a small business or a large business. And we just started asking our team. We started with, a, a, you know, surveys and a culture survey. And the first one we did was 2017 and, and testing the things we'd put into place, testing what was next. And, you know, the first um, report that came through and we did an NPS uh, score as well, which is a net promoter score and something we've um, continued to test um, over the years. And it was a fairly fairly low score in terms of where we are now, um, but it was was probably within the okay range from uh, industry standard. And the feedback was around, oh, we'd love another toaster in um, the yep. tea rooms. Yep. <laughs> you know, we'd love another kettle because we're sitting waiting for the, you know. So there was these things that, that started just with the small things. And so we did it. You know, these are things that our people need to make work enjoyable. Um, you know, they're not uh, big asks. So starting to really put into place what the team were looking for and it started off with those sort of things. And then we got to the natural light and then we got to the open plan and, you know, even just things like fresh fruit for people to be able to, you know, have something sort of healthy at work, um, removing the chocolate, 
over the years, our culture surveys now talk about recognition, feedback, and it's really, really matured. And, and I'm really pleased to say that our NPS score has, you know, it's moved 70 points from, you know, it's near the, the near perfect score um, over the last couple of years. So that's a challenge now to maintain, but it keeps us honest in, in terms of being able to continue to listen to our team, what they would like. To your question, I'm finally getting there. If some of the things we've implemented have been, um, it's a program called the Healthy Workplaces Achievement Program run by the state government. And that was a great way where we started. There's five areas that it focuses on, physical activity, healthy eating, uh, mental health and wellbeing, alcohol and drug use and smoking. But as you can see, all of those five elements, you know, really are about your own wellbeing. So we started looking at some of those and what things could we implement from that. So physical activity, we've been heavily involved in the fun run that Bendigo does every year um, in, in aid for our team to get out and get together, have some fun, do some physical activity, raise funds for our local hospital. And work's just not just work. So work's fun and it's in, including your families and we encourage everyone to come along. So we've we've done a lot of activities like that. We're currently participating in the Move for Mental Health program um, and we've got a walk scheduled um, out to the Tannical Gardens and back. So really just encouraging that physical activity. Some of the um, – over the years there's been netball teams and basketball teams that, you know, the team have participated in. So it makes – you know, that the balance of work and home starts to integrate a little bit. And do you think that's a good thing where work and home integrate? What we recognised is that work and home do integrate. Our, our lives aren't one or the other. So there's a real combination of, you know, both in everything we do. And, you know, you're a mum as well. We've probably all sat at school sports thinking I should be at work doing this. Or we've sat at work going, I wish I was at the school sports watching my child. So from that um, is really where some of the feedback we got from our team was around the flexibility. And as an employer, we really wanted to start to lead that flexibility option. Um, We also wanted to be able to recognise when our people um, at times have had to do overtime because um, the accounting industry has lots of ups and downs and, and, um, you know, high times and lower times that we had recognised that for our team as well. So we introduced flexible working. This is 2019, so just before we did the office change. Um, Probably wasn't quite as flexible as we experienced (laughs) over COVID, but, but we had the intent of being more flexible as an employer. Um, we also have introduced many years even prior to that, but time in lieu. So if people are working over time, they're getting the opportunity to then take that time back with their family and for that reset um, and the re- you know, rest and rejuvenation that they need after a busy, a busy period. So we've done a, a couple of those things as well to try and help that balance of work and home. Now the working from home is we do ask our team to be within the office a couple of days a week. Um, we want them to be able to see their teams, to eyeball, to check in on each other, um, the incidental learning that happens with that. And you know, it is really important for connection as well and, and that's another challenge with working from home. So getting back to the other things we've implemented um, at AFS and has been important uh, across our workforce has been uh, the, the integration probably still of studies versus work. So we've got a lot of people who are either undergrads or doing some postgraduate study. So we've got some flexibility um, for our team to be able to take study leave, um, also to be able to study when it suits them. So uh, the Chartered Accounting Program runs over a two-year period, but you know we ask them to do it when they're ready to commit. It's not a specific time. Um, and that if during their busy parts of the year, they don't need to be committing to study at that time. So um, as an employer, we allow them to make those decisions as to where that works best for them. 
Uh, we also introduced Dress for Your Day. Again, back in 2019, we had a bit of a reset of uh, who we are as an organisation and what we wanted to represent. So that was, you know, everyone was still wearing suits predominantly. Um, you know, we sort of lost the tie and, and it was important for, uh, one, that enjoyment and, and um, comfort at work, but being able to also make sure we're respectful for our clients and, and we're dressing to that same standard that they are. But, you know, that made a, a massive buzz in the office. It was relaxed and um, people were like, oh, I feel so much better now coming to work. And, and just really small things like that do make for that better wellbeing piece at work. Other things we have done is continued to look at the organisation as a structure and to make sure that we've got things in place that support our team's development. One of our values is grow. Um, it's grow and growth. One for the individual also the organisation, as well as also focus for our clients' growth. So it's about supporting our people in their career development, so career development plans and, and what they would like to do and open up the opportunity for them to have these conversations. We have a quarterly check-in. Each team member has a quarterly check-in with their people manager. And those questions aren't just around work. It is around how are you? What is happening you know, outside of work that you might want to share with us that might be impacting work? Um, over the sort of that 2020, 2021 period, it was around how, you know, how is everything in terms of that, that blend? Because it was hard when people were working from home. What's working, what's not, what can we do as an organisation better to support you? And then it might move into, you know, we've tried a few things that are different. How's that, how's it landing? So it's not all technical. There's a real balance in that, as well as then what do they want to do from a, a work perspective? Other things we um, did for our, our team was introduce really the concept that everyone's a leader and you lead yourself first. Oh, I like and, that. And yeah, and it's a real, you know, it, it takes away a hierarchy of leadership or I wait for somebody else or I need to be in power before I do that. It's really flipping it around saying you lead yourself first. So, you, you know, it goes back to the basics of being at work on time or holding a commitment to somebody or being into a meeting on time or, um, you know, being able to lead your own growth and your own development. It also means that, you know, if you've got an idea, raise it or do something about it. Um, don't wait for someone else to do that. So trying to implement that or continuing to layer that into the organisation. Uh, and we also introduced a, um, a formal leadership program. So, you know, great accountants aren't always great leaders and we don't get taught those skills. So when we spend a lot of time doing that with our team along along with the other cultural pieces that we did and um, it certainly strengthened the, the focus on our people by doing that. Uh, we do team building days on a yearly basis so we all, uh, everyone moves out of the office. So there's now over 100 of us so it's, it's getting harder and harder to find a venue to fit. But um, So we, we do some fun, we might do some training or learning um, but usually it's just about getting together as an organisation and you know, doing things within teams that maybe you don't always cross, cross over with. So again, supporting that connection at work because I think that's so vital no matter what the size of your business having relationships, having connections, being able to share when things are going great, not so great. What are we got to celebrate? What are we got to fix? What are we got to work on? Where is their feedback? Um, without good relationships and relations, that just doesn't happen organically. You've really got to, well, I shouldn't say that. It can happen organically, but you've also got to foster that um, within any size organisation. You know, we've gone from feedback boxes you know, over the years to trying all sorts of, of ways just to give um, each of our team members a voice to be able to share 
their experience with us and um, at the end of the day we want them to love coming to work. Our second value is fun and, you know, I sort of say to, to the team, I know work's not always fun um, but we want you to enjoy what you're doing here. We want you to enjoy who you're working with, the clients you're working on, what industries are you working on, what, what makes work fun for you um, and how can you help create that environment for yourself. Um, we ask them to participate. So and that fun element is is only fun if everyone gets in and, and, and creates the fun. So it's participating, it's inc- being inclusive, you know, and it's, it's just making sure it's, it's a good environment for everybody. That connection piece is transferable from corporate to small business, isn't it? I was just thinking for the fitness part, I go walking with a group of business friends uh, and we go for hikes. So we've got one coming up this weekend. But, you know, that's a really good opportunity, A, for that physical well-being and to get moving. But we also talk about work. I think, it, you know, and you're getting benefits from that. <laughs> it is. It's a debrief. And I know it's hard because a lot of small business owners, I don't have time. I'm so busy for this. I don't have time. But I think you have to make time for that physical activity. And if you can blend it back in, almost that biz buddy system, because then that would tick off the check-in to check in with a friend, you know, your business friend and and make it something that you could do on a a quarterly basis and even a co-working space, connection again, go in and, you know, remember those days of corporate where you are in a staff room and, look, you might not be that productive in a co-work, especially if you've worked at home where it's nice and quiet. (laughs) But it's just so important to us, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is. And I think for any organisation that's been through this change in the last couple of years and, and hybrid work now is a much bigger piece, the connection to my purpose, why am I here, what am I doing, um, is is really vital to probably look at that from a different perspective. How, how do I now recreate that? Um, we've had to do the same thing here. How, you know, how do we recreate that? Everyone's not in the office every, every you know, once a month on the same day necessarily anymore to be able to have an all-team meeting. So how do we, you know, we do it via Zoom uh, two out of three months and we do one in person to make sure we can try and get those connections. We've embedded um, more social functions um, and, and varying those in work hours, out of work hours, weekends, not weekends, because people are, you know, really choosing to spend their time where they want to spend it. Um, but at the same time, you want to create opportunities for people to be able to connect in. So find what works for you. Now, with AFS, you do look after a lot of small business owners, uh, their accounts. Do you have any insight how they're coping at the moment in the current economy? Being regional, I think we've got um, a very optimistic uh, region and economy, but um, there really is a certain um uneasiness at the moment, particularly around interest rates and the increased cost of living, uh, which lowers obviously then discretionary and non-essential spending. So that impacts the business as a business owner and what are they spending their money on. It also impacts um, their sales and what other people are spending money if they're investing in their business or not. There is uneasiness at the moment, um, particularly with just some interest rate vulnerability still um, they're probably still the experts they uh, the experts are saying that you know we might have one more interest rate rise but to see the stability over the last few months I think has really given people the opportunity uh, to relook at you know their budgets relook at their forecasts relook at um, what does business now look like and how do we then make decisions uh, based on that so more certainty from that respect. People can plan now knowing what's coming or, or not as much when, uh, you know, six months ago was interest rate after interest rate. 
uh, was was quite a challenge for business. As you can imagine, there's, there's a lot that comes with all of that. So uncertainty is is not where the human uh, you know likes to sit in usually. Um, so be able to get some stability and uh, as a region, we buy local and and you know I think regional is a little bit supported and we we sort of have this buffer around us where people will want to spend local, buy local, support our local businesses and. We continue, hopefully, to to see that and and the prosperity. You know, we're seeing a lot of development in Bendigo. We're seeing um, a lot of you know manufacturing coming to Bendigo. We're seeing, um, you know, the continued education system growing and developing here. So, some really great indicators that our local economy, you know, will continue to be strong. And I suppose it always comes back to numbers are so important in business, aren't they? Know your numbers. Know where your business is going. Yeah, and I think. Um, you know, sometimes it's stressful knowing, but mm-hmm. I think it's more stressful not knowing, you know, and, and it, it is about what what can I know versus what am I thinking is going on? And that's where it is really important. Know your numbers, be up to date. You know, if you are managing cash flow, it is around, okay, let's look for those forecasts and what we think might happen. And, and we keep updating that each month. So we know really where we're at, not just thinking we know where we're at or, or laying awake at night, not knowing. So, yeah, I do encourage small business if that's not their strong point because, you know, their expertise lies in their industry. Their expertise lies in what they know they want to do for their business. And I think in terms of uncertainty, um, maybe what we see is business owners cutting costs and trying to do more themselves. They put more hats on rather than thinking, what can I really do that's going to add value to my business? If I actually got someone else to do the bookkeeping, for example, because it's not my forte, but I really need to know what's happening there. And I can, I'm better off spending my time on sales or business development or going meeting those three potential leads that I've got. If they can generate more income that covers the cost of that bookkeeper, one, they're probably sleeping better at night because they understand their financials are up to date and they're, they're probably really doing the things they enjoy doing. It's getting out and meeting their clients and their customers and, and generating that income. So we do need to be able to step back sometimes and look at that bigger opportunity. That, um, as a business owner, where do we best spend our time? And do you think your staff as accountants, do they become a therapist almost at some point to their clients? Look, absolutely. Our, our team have you know, meetings, daily, weekly basis with, with clients, phone calls, um, you know, they're dealing with some pretty, pretty stressful um, situations, you know, for some business, whether it's, you know, a short term or long term thing. We have committed to continue to develop our team in terms of mental health first aid and, and really how do we support them in their own mental health versus also how can they have good conversations with clients. Um, so we're going through a program at the moment with a number of our team members have been through mental health first aid training. It was run initially by uh, Chartered Accountants ANZ, which is our industry body, for accountants to be able to have conversations with their clients. So, yeah, look, it is certainly really important. They are having some tough conversations. Um, so we've, we've done training internally in terms of mental health training. How do you ask those questions? Because they're having to ask some of those questions of their clients. They have to empathise with them and their situation and and then, you know, work with them to be able to say, okay, now let's move through to where do you want to be? What do you want to achieve? What can we put in place to help you get to that point? And, you know, hopefully see that turnaround and, and be that partner for them. Um, we can't be their therapist at all times and it's that fine line. 
But, um, you know, to, to be there I think is a, is a key critical point for any business to have someone to talk to and quite often it can be their accountant. Yeah. Well, it's quite vulnerable. You're opening up your books, you're opening up the back end of your business and what is deemed as successful really. The numbers sort of can sometimes tell you that. So, so yeah. true, so true. Mm. Look, this is um, becoming a favourite question to ask at the end of each episode and that is if you could ask for anything – what would it be? And it can be personal or professional. I reflected on this one and it ended up being something quite simple. Um, and it's just finding a moment of joy in your day. It's taking, and you touched on it before, Kimberly, like if, uh, we had this conversation earlier, <laughs> but find that time in your day to something that is fun or, or sparks your joy. Um, and sometimes it might just be writing down a couple of things you're grateful for and you go, oh, yeah, okay, actually... There's some really great things happening in my life. Or I've got a, you know, I'm in a privileged position to be able to deal with this issue. It can sometimes just ch- turn your uh, turn your day around. Or it might be, you know, walking the dog or playing netball with the kids. Just find a five or ten minutes, something that, that um, invests in yourself. I'm not sure I'll find joy in a 35k hike. But um, <laughs> as a family, we actually sit at the table. This started during the pandemic. And we go around and say, oh, so what's the best bit of your day? I mean, the kids would say lunch. And it's like, can't be lunch. PE, can't be PE either. So it just to find something in your day, as you said, and be grateful for. So create that joy and then be grateful for those moments. And, and that's care for self. We talk about self-care with you know the day spa or whatever, but it, it's it's just some simple things. Put yourself first for five or ten minutes. Well, as I said at the top, I would never say no to uh, interviewing you or sitting on a panel, but you also mentioned about a playbook and that there is no playbook on how to be a CEO as such. I think that you're our playbook when we say that you were the first CEO of AFS, it's not lost on me and certainly not on a lot of other people in town that, you know, you're a female CEO as well. And and for us, that is leadership, that is showing us the way. And we're also grateful for that and um, strengthens our leadership journey as well. So thank you. Oh, thanks, Kimberly. It's, um, it's an absolute privilege, to be honest. I, I love what I do. And, you know, I, I'm actually very uncomfortable at times with the title. So I, I just... I love what I do. I love the people I work with and it's it's an opportunity to continue to grow myself. So thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by leaving a review via our socials or connecting with us online at bbendigo.com.au.